Amen. If we're hungry for the Lord, we can find Him. Amen. We go through troubles and trials of this life, and praise God, He's always there for us, waiting on us to call His name. Good to see each one. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Romans chapter 10. We're on our fifth lesson in a a series that we've entitled Seven Enemies of the Cross. Today, I want to look at a very popular thing. Well, it was popular a number of years ago. I guess it's still popular. And that is the idea that uh, lifestyle evangelism is enough for the child of God. You just live your life the way you should. Everybody's going to watch you, how good of a person you are, and they're going to flock to Jesus Christ. That's basically what lifestyle evangelism teaches. You know, as the church of Jesus Christ, we're in a spiritual battle. And folks, we have an enemy that will do whatever it takes to silence the message of the cross and defeat the message of Jesus Christ. Now, as we stated throughout this study, Satan knows he cannot defeat Christ. But he knows that if he can silence the message of Christ, then he can defeat the cause of Christ. That is what he's out to do in this last days is to distort or silence the message of Christ so he can defeat the cause of Christ. You see, Satan wants as many people in hell with him when this thing is over, folks, as possible. And the sad thing is is that hell is going to be full. Thus far, we've seen four things of this world that Satan is using to help silence the message of the cross. We've seen, first of all, that religion is an enemy of the cross. Too many people are putting their faith in their religion rather than faith in Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then we look at the misunderstanding of repentance, how it's an enemy of the cross. We look at the misconception of corporate worship, that that's enough. You don't need to worship throughout the week. Just come to church on Sunday mornings, you know, uh, worship corporately and go on about your life. That is an enemy of the cross. Then last week we looked at the idea of a universal church and how that too is an enemy of the cross. So today let's look at this idea that lifestyle evangelism, that's enough. That's all I've got to do as a Christian is live a good life. You see, the idea behind uh, lifestyle evangelism is this. Lifestyle evangelism teaches that, you know, that living for Christ in such a way, if we'll live for Christ in such a way that the lost will see your lifestyle and they want to become a Christian. Boy, a sad thing is for many of us, uh, if a lost person sees our lifestyle, they're not going to want to come and be a part of what we have because many people even within our churches, you know, are not living that Christian lifestyle that they should. Now, our scripture text says this this morning, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I want you to look at this. Here's how salvation will come about. How then shall they they call on him who they have not believed? Now, look at this. And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? Okay, in other words, there's got to be some hearing here somewhere. And how uh, shall they uh, hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now look, this verse is filled, when you look at these verses, they're filled with words that infer verbal witnessing. 
Not just living a lifestyle. I mean, look at the words preach and, and hear and, and, and preach again and, and so on and so forth. This teaching of lifestyle evangelism, folks, it's been around for years. And this false philosophy teaches that all we have to do, all we need to do as Christians is just witness in our life rather than our lips. And it won't be very long if we're witnessing with our lifestyle, you know, that before people will be convinced that they want what we've got and they'll accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, that sounds good in theory, I guess. But folks, that's not what the Scripture teaches, and we're going to look at that today. Look, in other words, there's no need in getting aggressive with soul winning. I mean, if I'm going to live my life the way I need to, and people are going to flock to Jesus, then that relieves me of the responsibility of soul winning. I don't need to tell people about Jesus Christ. I don't need to be verbal about it. I don't need to push my, quote, as they say, religion on someone else. Just live my lifestyle the way I should. People are going to see the way I live, and boy, they're going to want what I want, and they're going to flock to the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, in East Texas terms, that's hogwash, folks. It doesn't work that way. All people with this mentality want, all people who believe in lifestyle evangelism want, is they want out of sharing their faith with other people. And this is just a good way uh, to do it. Look, that's like saying... Well, if we put a sign out there on our, in our front yard that says visitors welcome, then next week we won't be able to hold everyone. You know, that's like saying, you know, uh, hanging a sign in front of a jail and, and saying on that sign, you know, if, if you uh, have broke the law, just come check yourself in and, and, you know, everything will be fine. You say, now, preacher, those things are kind of ridiculous. Well, it's no more ridiculous than thinking that people are going to watch your lifestyle and flock to Jesus Christ. No more ridiculous. Let's take a look at real evangelism. Let's talk about what real evangelism is really all about. First of all, real evangelism, folks, is verbal. It's speaking, it's talking, it's sharing with other people. You know, the Scripture teaches us that faith cometh by hearing... Now, how is somebody going to hear just by watching your lifestyle? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we are going to lead people to Jesus Christ, if we're going to bring people to the throne of grace, folks, it's going to be on what we say, not just on what the lifestyle is that we live. Look, faith is not simply believing in God. Now, this may trip some of you up. Faith is not simply in believing in God. Do you not understand that Satan believes in God and he trembles? So faith, saving faith, is not simply believing in God. Faith is believing what God says. Now, think about this for a moment. Uh, one cannot believe what God says unless one knows what God says. I will assure you very few lost people know what the Bible says about salvation. Very few people, lost people, know what the Bible says that it takes to get to the throne of God. In today's world, many people think, well, if I just believe in God, I'm okay. Folks, listen, if we as the people of God, if we as the church of Jesus Christ are not sharing our faith, you know, we're going to answer to God one day, you know, as we watch at that great white throne judgment as many, many of our friends and our loved ones are cast into the lake of fire because we never verbally shared Jesus Christ with them when we had that opportunity. 
Look, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what? I would have never been saved if I hadn't heard the word of God preached by Brother Charlie Brodhoff on a Sunday night at Second Baptist Church of Tomball, Texas. I would have never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But I heard the word and I responded to the word. You say, I already believed in God. You know, everybody believes in God. Even the atheists somehow or another, they believe in God, trust me. Okay? Because they'll even say, oh, God. Well, who are you calling, oh, God, to if you don't believe in him? Okay? But look here. I already believed in God, but folks, until I put my faith in that word that I heard, I was not saved. Look. I watched the life of some Christians back then. Of course, I was just a 16, 17-year-old punk, okay? And that may surprise y'all knowing that I used to be a punk kid, you know? I mean, y'all think I'm just nice and as I always am. But look here. You know, when I watched the life of a, of a Christian back in those days, now let me just tell you, back in the 60s when I was saved, okay, Christian people were still living Christian lives, most of them, Okay? But you know what I thought when I watched the lifestyle of a Christian man? He was a sissy. He was weak. That's what I thought by watching that lifestyle. They just don't want to have fun in life. Why would I want that? Folks, just watching that lifestyle of some men that I knew was not enough to bring me to the throne of God. It was the word that I heard. It was the word of God being preached that brought me to Christ. What's Paul's, I mean, what is, was Paul's questions in verse 14? How shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now understand, that's not talking about the man who stands behind the pulpit. Do you not understand every one of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior is a preacher or we should be? That simply means a proclaimer of the Word of God. And every one of us have that responsibility. Every one of us. Now, how shall they call on Him who they have not heard? Look, we are not saved by calling on the Lord. We are saved by, uh, by believing he will save us when we call on him. Think about that. We're not saved by calling on the Lord. I've heard people call on the Lord every time they get in trouble or in a bind or whatever. You know, we're not called by, we're not saved by calling on the Lord. We're saved by believing he will save us when we do call upon him. That's why when we get saved, we know it. You know, we have to know it because it's the kind of faith that saves us. You know, the kind of faith that saves us is the kind of faith that lets us know that we have it when we get it. Look, if you could be saved and not know it, you could lose it and never miss it. So saving faith, we know that we have it. Now, the next thing is salvation does not come from seeing someone living for Christ. Salvation comes from hearing the word of God believing it and accepting it look lifestyle evangelism is good don't get me wrong i have nothing wrong with the concept of living your life the way you should and uh, for and people seeing jesus christ through you that's okay 
and I agree with that. But lifestyle evangelism, this, this idea of this, is good uh, as others should see Christ within us, but it does not go far enough. It doesn't go far enough. We must also share the Word of God. Dr. Cutter, Curtis Hudson, he's passed, he was a pastor and editor of the long-running newspaper, The Sword of the Lord. I know some of you have read The Sword of the Lord. It's a great newspaper. And he had this to say. We got it up on the screen for you. A good, consistent Christian life gives credibility to the witness. In other words, if you're living a good Christian life, that gives credibility to the words you are sharing with people. Because if you're not living a good, consistent uh, Christian life, it really does no good to share the Word of God with people because they're going to look at you and say, you know, well, you're no better than me. But Hudson says, you know, a good, consistent Christian life gives credibility to your witness, but in and of itself, just that living that Christian life is not a witness and never was intended to lead a soul to Jesus Christ. Look, I'm not saying that we should just live our life any way we want. If we are going to witness, you better be living what you're preaching, okay? You know, I, I think we should live our life in such a way that others will see Christ in us in a way that Christ will be honored. What I'm saying is this idea of lifestyle evangelism has been used by Satan to keep people from verbally sharing their faith. Because Satan has convinced them, just lay low, be a good person. You don't have to share your faith here. Just, you know, let others see you being a good person, and, and that's good enough. Folks, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Look, lifestyle evangelism is proven a false philosophy by four sources. You know, I believe one reason many have bought into this false, lifestyle, this false teaching of lifestyle evangelism is because they think it frees them from the responsibility that they have of sharing the gospel. And yes, listen, every saved person has the responsibility to share Jesus Christ. Yet there's at least four sources that I want to go over with you that disprove this idea. First of all, the Scripture. The Scripture proves lifestyle evangelism is, to, is a false philosophy. First Peter you know, 1 Peter 1.23 says this, Being born again. Now, we're talking salvation, right? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, he says, but of incorruptible. How does he say that we're saved? How does he say we're born again? By what? Oh, not somebody's lifestyle? No, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So how is a person born again? Not by watching my lifestyle, <laughs> Okay, not by watching your lifestyle. The Bible says a person is born again by the Word of God. And how are they going to hear the Word if we're not preaching it? How are they going to hear the Word if we're not sharing the Word of God? Here in 1 Peter, the Scripture makes it clear that one is saved by the Word of God, not another person's lifestyle. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach that one, must, uh, that one is one to the Lord simply by observing the life of a dedicated Christian. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by what? Say it louder. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Notice the scripture again. 
Faith cometh by observance of a lifestyle? No. Faith cometh by hearing. Now, again, if, if I agree, I mean, I, I agree that if your verbal witness is to be effective, your lifestyle has to match the message being preached. Let's don't, let's don't miss that. If you are going to verbally share your faith, your lifestyle much mat, must match that. But that lifestyle alone without the verbal message will not lead a person to Christ. Even if your lifestyle gets their attention at some point, you're going to have to verbally sit down and tell them, this is what's within me. This is what's allowing me to live my life. You, you see what I'm saying? Your lifestyle may get their attention. Your lifestyle may get them to say, I wonder what, why that person is able to handle these situations or why, how can that person have faith that you know, they're going to make it through this. But when it comes down to it, what do you have to do? You have to sit them down and say, here's why I've got the faith that I've got. So you have to verbally be able to share your faith with others. Now, not only does the Scripture prove that, Christ himself proves lifestyle evangelism to be a false philosophy. In John, turn to John chapter 4, the Gospel of John. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. We're going to see here that Christ even proves that lifestyle evangelism is not enough. Do you think there's ever been another person on the face of the earth who lived a more Christian life than Jesus Christ? Do you think another person on the face of the earth lived a life that others could look at him and say, I'm going to God because of that? No. But let's look at this. There cometh a woman, John chapter 4, verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria, Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her. So would that infer there that Jesus spoke to her? Okay, verbally. He said, give me a drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? And the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Did Jesus speak? Okay, he didn't just stand there and hey, look at me. No, he spoke. He said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said unto thee, Give me drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. Now what's Jesus saying to this lady? He is teaching her. He is telling her about salvation. He's telling her that, hey, this water is not going to last. This water that you're taking out of the well is not going to last forever. But there is something that I am able to give you Living water that will last forever. You see Jesus witnessing to this lady? He didn't just stand there and say, look at me. Okay, let's move on. The woman saith to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw the water, and the well is deep, and from whence hast thou uh, this living water? In other words, what are you talking about this living water? Where, where do you get this? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and they, uh, drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and what? Said, okay, unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting 
life. Folks, Jesus was witnessing to this lady. Jesus was showing her the way to salvation. Jesus was showing her the way to the Father. And how was he doing it? Just by standing in front of her? No, by speaking to her, by sharing his faith, by sharing the gospel. What do you see in this story? I mean, here's what you don't. Is Jesus just walk up to this well, stand there, let the lady observe him, and, and not saying a word, and she just accepts this living water? No. That's not the way it happened. You see Jesus in a dialogue with her. And you see him in a dialogue with her and, and he, that he himself initiates. How does verse 7 put it? And he said to her. Look, I believe that there was ever anyone able to lead a soul to salvation just by their lifestyle. It would have certainly been our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, he was righteousness personified. He was perfection in the human body. He never sinned. You know, all that people ever seen in Jesus Christ was good. Of course, except the old Pharisees who were jealous of him. And that, that's why when he stood before Pilate, you remember what Pilate said? You know, he, he interviewed Jesus, he talked to Jesus, and then he said, you know, I, I find no fault in this guy. Why? Because Jesus was the perfect individual. Yet no one ever came to Jesus Christ just by observing his lifestyle. There was always a dialogue. Look, though Jesus was perfect, there's no account in the Scripture anywhere, you know, that somebody was saved by merely observing him. Look, now, if righteousness personified, if perfection in human form, and he who had never sinned had to verbally share the gospel, where does that leave you and me? Look, the third thing is, New Testament believers poor, uh, 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 prove that lifestyle evangelism is a false philosophy. First of all, in John chapter 4, when you read on down, Let's look at what happened. After this woman accepts Jesus' living water, she leaves her water pot, we're told, in verse 28. And she went her way into the city, and what's that next thing say? Saith. What does that mean? Just walked up to the city and just stood before the guys? No. Verbally speaking. She went to the men in the city and she said to the men, Come and see a man which told me all things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out into the city and came unto him. And many of the Samaritans, look at many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the lifestyle of the woman. No? Hmm. For the what? What? The saying of the woman. In other words, when she went there, she was a changed woman. She didn't just stand before them and say, look at me. No, she said, let me tell you about this guy who has made a change in my life. Let me tell you about this guy who has introduced me to some living water that's going to last me forever. I believe this woman was excited. And as a result, what do we see? You know, this, the, 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 that many of the people there believe the sayings of this woman which testified. Many of them. Now, we don't know how many, but she said, come and see. Come and see. 
Look, can anyone argue that this woman went into town, stood there and said, you know, everybody said, well, what's happened to you? You look different. And Well, I ran into this guy. No, it was clear that she went into the town. She verbally shared her experience with Christ. And as a result, possibly hundreds, possibly even thousands of Samaritans were saved as a result of that. Then in, in uh, John uh, 1, verse 6, says this. I think we got it up here for you. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness. Now, it's talking here verbally. He came to, as a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. That all men through him might believe. He is not the light, but he was sent to, again, bear witness of that light. And what did he say? I am the, what? Voice. He didn't say, I am the lifestyle. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, again, you know, uh, you know we, we must say that, that, you know, he didn't just, you know, say, look at me. You know, I'm a, a, I'm a, I know Christ, you know, and, you know, here's what he's made of me and he can do that. No, John's was the voice, he says, is what brought the message of Christ. Then in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, he said, and they were scattered abroad. Now, this is talking about the early church. And they were scattered abroad and went everywhere living the right life. No, what's it say? They went everywhere preaching the word. You know, on and on we could go with an example after example that New Testament evangelism was verbal and not a lifestyle. In Acts chapter 5, 42, and daily they were in the temple and they ceased not to teach and preach. Now the final thing is sinners in hell understand that evangelism must be what do I mean by sinners in hell? Let's take a look at that. Here's the saddest of all. There are people who are burning in hell this morning, folks, <coughs> who understand that lifestyle evangelism is not enough to keep their friends and their loved ones out of hell. Now, looking at the story of Lazarus and the rich man, I want you to notice some things here. I want you to notice the words coming out of hell this morning. You all know the, they're in Luke chapter 16. Go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 16, um, verses uh, 19, begin there. Because I believe this morning, out of hell are voices crying out that people would share their faith with friends and loved ones. Here's what Luke says. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass uh, to us that would come from this. 
And, they, and he said, I pray thee, now this is the rich man talking, the one in hell. He said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brethren. Now look what this man's cry was, that he would live a good lifestyle before them and hopefully they'll see that lifestyle and, and, and want to be saved. No, what's it say? That he may testify to them. Now, what's the word testify mean? To speak, to verbally speak, that he may testify them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, look at this, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Now, what does that mean, let them hear them? Did he say, let them watch their lifestyle? No, no, no. Let them hear him again verbally. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, now look at this, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, again, letting us know there's got to be verbal contact there. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You know what Abraham was basically telling him here? Look, they've got Moses and the prophets. They're sharing, you know, the word. They're sharing the word. If I ever sent somebody to them from the dead, if they don't hear Moses and the, and the prophets, they're not going to hear this guy either. Look, this rich man suffering in hell did not request that Lazarus go back and live a good Christian life in front of his family in hopes that they would not come to this terrible place. That's not what he did. His request was that Lazarus would go back and verbally confront his family and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew there would be no time for lifestyle evangelism to work. He knew that hell was real, and folks, he wanted his loved ones to not come to that place at all costs. And let me leave you with a thought. I believe that this beggar was a faithful believer or he wouldn't be in heaven, okay? So I believe he was a faithful believer because he was in heaven. We're told in the story that every day he was at the gate of that rich man, right? Chances are this rich man saw this faithful believer every day, every day. Yet it did not cause him to become a believer. Every day he was at his gate. Every day the rich man saw this faithful believer. Did it cause him to become a believer? No. That's why he was in hell. Look, he had, had lifestyle evangelism been good enough, this rich man would not have ended up in hell. Folks, I want to suggest to you this morning that hell is full of people who observe the lifestyle of Christians, but it wasn't enough to bring them to the throne of grace. What would have happened if those Christians living that lifestyle would have understood that it takes verbally speaking to these people also? Do you think they could have kept some people from going to hell? But again, the problem I see with lifestyle evangelism Satan wants you to think that you don't have to share the gospel, therefore taking you away from your responsibility that Christ left with us.
What did Christ leave with us? Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Not live a good Christian life. I mean, again, we're to do that because our, our message must match our lifestyle. But my point is, Satan has used lifestyle evangelism to help some people get away from their responsibility of sharing the gospel. And as a result, hell is full this morning of people. Lifestyle evangelism is an enemy of the cross. And because of it, many people are going to spend eternity in hell. Because of it, you know, we're not seeing people saved in our churches like in the past. Look, the Bible emphasizes the, 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 the urgency of salvation. Hebrews 4 and 7 says this, Today, if you'll hear his voice. When? Today, if you'll hear his voice. Harden not your heart. Folks, that is inferring there the urgency of salvation. When it comes to salvation of a lost soul, it's a matter of urgency. You know, one may not have months. One may not have years to watch your lifestyle and see if they want what you have. And the truth is, for many within our churches today, their lifestyle is not much different than their lost friends and how sad that is. Look, we never know when that death angel is coming for us. There may be some of us here this morning that won't see tomorrow. That's how sudden and quick death is. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Folks, salvation is not something you can put off until you decide you want to clean up your act and try this Christian thing. No. You're liable to be like the rich man and find yourself in the devil's hell. Today, if you will hear his voice, today, don't harden your heart. Now is the accepted time to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Look, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, take a look at these two verses. Let them, let them go straight to your heart. Today is the day that you need to turn your life over to Him. And for our Christian people, those who know Christ as their personal Savior, please don't think your lifestyle is enough to lead somebody to the Lord. Because again, I know you're not living a better life than Jesus Christ did. And he had to verbally share his faith with others. Why don't you make a commitment today that you're going to begin being a little bit more proactive when it comes to sharing your faith with the lost. Let's pray.